ever find it odd that you can remember songs and lyrics, but it's hard to remember verses in Scripture? We'll take a look at our spiritual memory next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Hi, welcome to our program today. We're going to begin a brand new series out of 2 Peter, chapter one. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 15 today in a message simply entitled, A Reminder to Remember. How's the old hymn put it? Prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. It's so easy to forget all that God is to forget those verses that we've memorized for so many years. Today, here on the broadcast, we'll begin a series looking at our memory and what it means to remember what God has done and who He is. It's all straight ahead. Join us. For this edition of Graceful Truth, here's Pastor Steve Converse. We've been looking in the the book of uh, 2 Peter, chapter 1. The book of 2 Peter here is all about knowledge. He wants us to know certain things. He wants us to remind us of certain things, as we'll see here today. Um, And knowing your salvation, about your salvation, was covered in the first 11 verses. And now we jump down to verse 12 through 15. And I just want to read that for you, and you can follow along in your Bibles. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. That's our text for this morning. Uh, It's important to understand that the word reminder or remember throughout Scripture is very important. We want to look at that today as we look at this text. And so this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about a reminder to remember. I don't know about you, but the older you get, it seems like your memory fails you. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for that little iPhone that I have with the little calendar on it, uh, I'd probably miss half the meetings I have planned. And so I plan it out and put it in there, and it reminds me a day ahead, and then a couple hours ahead, and then 30 minutes ahead. It's like I don't need just one reminder. I need several. And then even with that, sometimes I forget to put the stuff in the phone, so I'm just lost at that point. C.S. Lewis once said something along these lines, Christians don't need to be instructed as much as they need to be reminded. (laughs) That is so true. You know, if you've grown up in the church, if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you know a lot of stuff about the Word of God. You know a lot of stuff about your relationship with Christ. His point is simply this, not that learning things is wrong. But his point is that most of us know just about all that we need to know to live our Christian lives. We don't lack the knowledge, it seems. We just tend to forget to put that knowledge into practice. For example, stop and think. The scriptures teach us that God is in control. Would you agree with that? That he's sovereign. That's not new information to you or to me. Neither is the promise that God says, you know what, I'm going to work all things together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's a very common verse. Most Christians know that verse. They've memorized that verse. They live by that verse. And yet, even though I know that, 
we have a tendency to forget those things. I remember when I was a youth pastor at the First Baptist Church of Fremont, we had this uh, big van that hauled all these kids around. And one winter, uh, myself and another youth leader were taking them up to Yume Lake, up in the outside of Yosemite there, up in that area of the California, for a winter camp. And it was a weekend deal. And so we got kind of start a little late on Friday, and it was beautiful weather when we started. Uh, but we got halfway up the mountain, and it began to snow like crazy. I've never seen so much snow in my life. There's, you know, even the snow plows weren't doing anything. It snowed so much that it, we got, you know, probably about three-quarters of the way up this, the road that we needed to go to get up to the top of the mountain and then go back down into Yume Lake. It, it got so bad that we had to pull over on this windy, narrow road. It was just a two-lane road. And uh, if you've ever been up to Yosemite, it's one of those roads. You know, you drive up. It's, it's, it's one of those. You know, you don't like driving on those kind of roads, let alone having to stop in the middle of a snowstorm and put on tire chains on a van full of teenagers. Um, so I had to pull over. And I remember getting back there and unlocking the back, getting the, van, or the, the uh, tire chains out. And I'm concentrating on getting these tire chains on, you know, lining them up, went back to the van, pulled them forward so they're sitting over the tire chains. And I'm back there wrapping them around the the tires. And, you know, I look up and all the teenagers, they're everywhere. You know, half these kids probably never saw snow before. And they're they're just like, they're throwing snowballs. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, a car could come. I mean, it's the snow was, I mean, deep where we were at, even on the road. There was no sign of any vehicles. So I'm just focused on doing what I need to do to get them out of here, you know. And uh, I thought if we stay here too long, even putting on the tire chains isn't going to do us any good. And uh, they're having a snowball fight in the middle of this whole thing. And finally, I, I get the, uh, the, the, the right side of the, uh, the, the tire chain on. The other one's already on. And I'm looking for the little, you know, the little rubber uh, grommet strap thing that t- pulls the chain tight. Can't find it. Can't find it anywhere. I'm thinking, this is not going to be good. Look in the back of the van. The kids are having a heyday. And finally, I just realized I, it's either not here. I don't know where it's at. And uh, so I thought, you know, we're just going to have to do the best we can with this loose chain on this tire. Because I am not taking it back off. My fingers were like frozen. The kids were a mess. I get them back in the van. And, uh, you know, we, we start down the road. And I'm thinking, well, if I go slow, there's no traffic. We'll, we'll be fine. Well, you know, we may have went a quarter mile, maybe a half a mile and all of a sudden, you hear that, that chain come loose. And it sounds like it's just ripping the, the rear quarter panel of the van to shreds, right? So I had no option but to pull over again. And the kids are like, what are you doing? I said, can't you hear that? You know? and, well, can't we just keep going? I said, well, no, we've got to fix this. You know? So I get out, and I'm back there. And, and I was just going to take the, 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 the chain off. And I thought, well, that's not going to work, one chain. And, and, and we're not going to be able to go anywhere. So... I, I get back there, straighten the, get the, the chain straightened out and everything. And I, I, I'm walking back to the, the, the front of the, the van. And uh, all the kids this time, luckily, uh, stayed in the vehicle. They didn't, you know, I, I kind of chided them for getting out and running around. So they're sitting in there. But by this time, they're, they're wet, they're cold, and they're hungry. And at this point, I already know we've kind of missed the opening dinner because we just got a late start. Back there, fooling with this chain, I go back to the, the cab of the, the, the car, and uh, I realize I don't have my keys. 
I don't have the keys to the van. So I go back, and I'm back there with this crazy dying flashlight, you know. And the kids are like, what are you doing? And I didn't want to tell anybody because I'm freaking out myself, you know. I got a van load of kids on a snowy road in the middle of nowhere, and I have no keys. So I'm back there going through the snow. My fingers are about ready to frozen, and, you know, can't find them. And I'm halfway walking back up to the van, and I look or as I'm walking back up to the van, I, I look in the, the, the foggy windows, because by this time, the, the windows are just covered with fog. And here's that rubber strap thing. One of the kids is using it as a noose around one of the other kids' neck. So I'm like, oh, there it is, you know. So immediately, I'm thinking, this is good. You know, so I get, give me that thing. You know, what is it? I said, I've been looking for you. So I put it on the tire. I got the chain. But I have no keys, right? So I'm back there fiddling with that. And all of a sudden... You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, the van starts. And I'm thinking, what in the world? This is weird, you know. And I go back up. Who started the van? And I had a youth leader with me. And he thought that he'd help me. So he took the keys of the van out, thinking I had to unlock the back to put the strap on. And when he realized, no, I didn't need it, he just put the keys back in. And, oh, I'll tell you. I mean, by that point in time, I get back in the van, all the kids in unison. When are we going to be there? We're cold, we're wet, and we're hungry. It was just like 15, you know, just like fingers down the chalkboard. And I was about ready to lose it. And I just remember thinking, okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's, let's re- refocus this. And the kid, you know, my mind was not on God at this point. It really wasn't. It just was, you know, it was, it was, I was kind of in panic mode, to be honest with you. And I remember... As soon as I got in the van and I sat down, I took a big, deep breath. And this kid behind me, he goes, you know, Pastor Steve, this is really irritating. Having all this stuff go wrong, having to wait for you to put these tire, these chains on, being cold, being wet, being hungry. I mean, you know, my blood is going to my head real quick, right? I'm about ready to turn around and pop this kid in the face. Just because he's irritating me. And I'm upset, to be honest. We missed our first meal. I don't know what we're going to do for dinner. All this stuff. And then he says this. But, you know, Pastor Steve, God is in control. And all things. (sighs) You know what? That kid was exactly right. God was perfectly in control. He didn't abandon me with a van load of kids in the middle of a snowstorm on my way to Yume Lake on this windy little road. And immediately, as soon as he said those words, I realized, you know what? That's true. God is in control. He sees what's going on here. And immediately, it's almost my attitude changed. And, you know, that kid didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. He really didn't. He just reminded me of something that I needed to be reminded of. I had forgotten to remember that essential truth as we're going through life of all the truths to forget that God is in control, that he works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And well, see here in this first chapter of 2 Peter, he finishes the first chapter by telling his readers that he's going to do for them what that kid in that van on that cold, dark night, snowy night did for me. He says that it's his intention to remind them to remember some very important things about the Christian life. Some very important things. 
And so this week we're going to look at these urgent reminders, and next week we're going to talk about some powerful reassurances that he shares with us. But we're just going to look at verses 12 to 15 today. And I think that it's, it's so important that we understand that even though we should strive as believers to grow in knowledge, right? We should want to learn new things about the Word. We should want to learn new things about God. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But we also have to understand that we need to know about living the Christian life. It's not good enough just to know stuff. There's a lot of Christians that just know stuff. They can quote verses left and right. But they're not practically putting it to use in their life. And they need to be reminded of that stuff that they already know. We don't need new information so much as we need to be reminded how to put that information into practice. And so Peter here says, I'm going to remind you of some things. And uh, I want you to remember these things. Now, if you think about it, the reason that he's doing this, if you look at verse 9, and we've already covered this, but I just want to remind you, the reason he's so intent on reminding us of these things, because in verse 9 it says, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, (laughs) having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Peter wants us to be reminded that we're saved. He wants us to be reminded that we've been forgiven of our sins. He wants us to be reminded that these qualities should be active that we went over last week in our life. And so Peter says here, I'm going to give you a reminder to remember certain things because I do not want you to become, as the scripture says here in the previous verse, verse 8, become ineffective and fruitless or unproductive. Now, if you go around and you visit any kind of churches anywhere in the United States, it seems like they put a prime they're they're obsessed with the idea of being creative and being innovative it's like the more creative they can be and the more innovative they can be somehow in their mind that's successful as a church and so you have churches all across the country doing all sorts of things to try to fit that mold of being creative and being innovative Now, there's nothing wrong with that to a certain extent. I'm not downplaying that. But you have to keep it in balance. And I'm kind of of the persuasion that, you know what, if somebody comes up with something new, it's probably not true. (laughs) Because I put my trust in old things that are in the book that the Lord has already said he's going to build his church with. Things like the fellowship of believers, prayer, the teaching and preaching of God's word evangelism. I don't think we need some new gimmick to grow God's church. I read an article this past week by Jeff Cerotti. The title of the article was, Are Flat Screen Preachers a Fad? (laughs) And if you don't know what a flat screen preacher is, a lot of churches today are holding meetings and then they're setting up satellite meetings. So we open up a, a satellite meeting over here in the school across the street. And instead of having somebody pastor that church and preach there, what they do is they use technology of our day, which is neat technology. They videotape the pastor and they stream him over there on a big flat screen or a video screen. And so the congregation is there, but there's, there's no pastor there. He's just a video image, a big talking head, you might say. And a lot of people, that works for them, and I'm not downplaying that, but I think it's a fad. I think sooner or later people are going to get tired of staring at a TV screen 
When you can, you can do that at home, right? I mean, you can turn on the Christian TV and watch Charles Stanley or David Jeremiah or some other wonderful pastor, teacher. And you have to be careful. Some of those are not too wonderful. So you've got to be discerning. But there's some great teachers on TV. I mean, if I wanted to do that, I'd do that. I wouldn't get up and have to get dressed and then go to church just to watch a pastor talking head on a flat screen. It seems kind of silly to me. Plus, there's no, there's no person there. I mean, he doesn't know if he's connecting with the people or not because he's not there. Now, I understand if you had room restraints and, you, you know, you had to kind of make do with something, overflow or whatever. I get that. I'm not, like I said, I'm not here to be negative totally on that stuff. But I think it's a fad. And he calls the flat screen preacher the new bus. You might not get that. But back in my days as a youth pastor, we had a bus ministry. And a major portion of the church budget went into the bus ministry. It went into fuel. It went into upkeep. It went into DMV. It went into insurance. And then we always had a fund to buy the next new bus or new van. And it was just like, wow, this is great. You know, if you bring more kids on a bus to church, you know, this is, this is a great thing. And it's a great ministry. I'm not downplaying it. I, I think it's great. But you know what? You don't see a lot of bus ministries today. There's some churches that still do it. But for the most part, the idea of a bus going through a neighborhood and taking little children with maybe one adult or maybe two on a bus to a foreign place, maybe miles away from their home for a couple hours and then bringing them back, that, that just goes against all social responsibility when it comes to parenting in my mind. And I saw it firsthand. I would go out on Thursday on, on bus visitation, knock on doors. Hey, I want to pick up your kid for... I, I was single at the time. I wasn't even married. I want to pick up your kids for church. Oh, what, what time? Uh, you know, 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Well, what time do they come back? Oh, about 12.30. Okay, cool. Give them a flyer. They don't ask who I am. They, sometimes they didn't even ask what church. They had no idea where these kids were going. And I thought, wow, this is... You know, and it was, it was only our due diligence on our side having them fill out a kind of a form so at least we'd have a contact number. If it wasn't for that, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have even cared. I mean, you, you try to do that today and you get arrested. You know, you could drive to a community and start picking up little kids on a bus and you're a single guy. You're going to get arrested. I mean, that's just not socially acceptable today for a very good reason. So the bus ministry kind of thing was a fad. And so I think sometimes... We're so busy trying to invent new stuff for the church to do. We forget some of the basic things that God has already told us to do. And that's what Peter's role is here this morning with us. Remembering and forgetting are very important words in the Bible. I have a Bible program and I can just plug in remembering or I can plug in forgetting. And it pops up all the verses throughout scripture where those words are found. One is back in Deuteronomy chapter 8. You can turn back there. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 8 is kind of a, you might say, an explanation of the law of God. And as the children of Israel were coming to the promised land and they were looking forward to being established by God and as a nation and, and it was going to be a theocracy over which God would rule Ideally, they would be supremely blessed by God in this situation. And so God gave them some basic standards to live by. That's the law. And the Lord expressed fear that somehow they would lose sight of these standards, that they would somehow forget the basics 
of their faith. That somehow when they got prosperous or when they got comfortable and that joy was theirs in the land, somehow they would forget where it all came from. And that's what he wants to make sure doesn't happen. So look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. It says, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Now, if you know anything about the history of these people, you know that they basically disobeyed God at every corner. (laughs) All through the wilderness. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this thing. I mean, they were just disobedient people. And here they have a brand new generation of people that, you know, all this wilderness wandering. They're ready to go into the land. And in effect, what he's saying to them is don't forget the things that your forefathers forgot. Learn your lesson. So in verse 2, he says, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. In other words, don't forget where you came from. I think sometimes as believers, we're guilty of that. We forget where we came from. We forget that one time we were lost sinners. One time we were, didn't believe Christ. We didn't believe the words of Christ. We didn't believe the gospel. We were lost in our sins and trespasses. We were slaves, the Bible says, to sin. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget the commands of God. And he says, don't ever forget the work of God in your life. Sometimes you may not forget from whence you came, but sometimes you forget the work of God and where he's taking you. Don't forget that. That God is actively working in his children to do his supreme sovereign will. Look all the way down at verse 11. It says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Verse 14. Then your heart... Be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Pride. Your heart be lifted up. You become prideful. You become self-centered. You become independent of God, not dependent. And when all that begins to happen, look at verse 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. Can you imagine? These are God's people. These are people that God has blessed. And what they're saying is, hey, I'm here because of who I am. I I am a self-made man. Verse 18 and 19. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Verse 19. And if you forget... Look at this. If you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I, God, solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. That's a very, very strong word of warning to God's people. And I want you to know that God is interested in us being successful in our Christian living. He wants us to go to the next level. He wants us to mature in Christ. He wants us to know more about Him. But He also doesn't want us to forget some very basic truths. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. 
We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. 650-366-9923, or visit our website, gracefultruth.org. And now, to close out our time together with a look at our fall schedule, once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. I'd just like to share a few brief thoughts with our listening audience concerning some upcoming events here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. Most people are familiar with American pastor Zaid Abedini, who is being held in an Iranian prison due to his faith in Christ. We will be hosting Pastor Zaid's wife, Nagme, on Saturday, November 16th at 10 a.m., where she will be sharing her testimony of how her and her children are getting through this tremendous ordeal and how God continues to work in spite of her husband's persecution and imprisonment. Coming to Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, on Saturday, November 16th at 10 a.m., that's Nagme Abedini, Pastor Zaid's wife, to share her testimony. Well, once again, we want to thank you for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend, and it would be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Please contact us on the web at gracefultruth.org, that's gracefultruth.org, or simply call us at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Thank you, Steve. And again, friend, we'd love to hear from you, so call us today, 650-366-9923, or write to us, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, 94061 is our zip code. Until next time, God bless. God bless.